Meditation is about listening. It's about being still before God. Something many Christians never do. It's about loving attentiveness to the wonder and beauty of the Trinity. Hear these words from Francois Fenelon. Be silent and listen to God. Let your heart be in such a state of preparation that his spirit may oppress upon you such virtues as will please him. Let all within you listen to him. Let all within you listen to him. My name is Nathan Foster, and welcome to the Renovare Weekly Podcast. Back in episode 68, I interviewed the author of Meeting God in Scripture, Jan Johnson. The book's a series of guided meditations through biblical passages. I wanted to bring her back, go a little further with this, as her understanding and approach to meditation feels so grounded, accessible. Well, it just makes me want to practice it. Jan, what is this Christian meditation stuff? (laughs) Well, we talk about having the mind of Christ, Mm -hmm. and we're pretty good at giving God the analytical part of our mind, Hmm. and we call that study. In fact, we're so good that people, that publishers hire people like me to write these studies. (laughs) It's such a great idea. But we aren't so good at meditation, which is giving God the rest of our mind. And the way here's the way I like to contrast it. In study, you dissect the text. You know how we do this. We do the Greek words and all sure. of that kind of thing. But in meditation, you savor the text mm. and you enter into it. So you hold on to it. So I like to liken it like, if we look at a candy bar and we we cut it into pieces or we just even put it in half, uh, break it in half, and we say, uh-oh, you know, you have braces. This is caramel. You might not want to eat this. Or this has peanuts in it. So um, people who are allergic. And, and so we just stare at the bar and right. examine it. Okay, that's nice, but don't you kind of want to put it in your mouth? <laughs> So we've studied the candy bar to meditate on the candy bar is to put a piece of it on your tongue and leave it there for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Why would we skip that? And it's in meditation where God speaks to us, I believe, through the text. And, you know, meditation is mentioned um, lots of times in scripture, at least 15 times just in Psalms. And Joshua says, do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. And what is the result? That you may be careful to do everything written in it. Mm. And that has been my experience is that meditation leads to obedience, mm. but not the kind of obedience where I'm trying hard to obey, but the kind of obedience that is organic and natural because I'm catching things from God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Catching things from how I see Jesus in the Gospels. And so, 
It's a very different sort of thing. And both study and meditation are very important. Mm-hmm. They both pay careful attention to the text. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they, go, they just go together so well. And so I think we need to do both. Meditation is a little different from application because you're not looking at the passage and analyzing mm-hmm. what does this passage have that I'm not doing. Instead, you're coming to the passage and waiting for God to invite you into something. Usually, a, a word or a phrase will stand out. And you know, this happens to people all the time. They don't know they're meditating. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have you ever, people who read the Bible regularly just find this happens all the time. Oh, I didn't know that verse was in there. Right. Uh, right. Is that word in that verse? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They listened enough to where something jumped, right? The spirit kind of popped something for them. I like the way you said listen too, because meditation is a lot about listening. Mm -hmm. Being receptive, welcoming with meekness the implanted word that Mm. has the power to save your soul, James 1. Um, so it's it's a little different that way. Mm-hmm. Why? Why is it that we like to study the candy bar, research its origins and maker, and all? You know what I mean. But why do we often skip the step of implicating ourselves, entering into the text? Well, I think it's part of a post enlightenment syndrome. Okay. Where we separated out knowledge, the bifurcation of knowledge between analytical and intuitive, mm-hmm. or meditative, and we've kind of thrown the second out the window. If you look at pre-enlightenment writing, they will usually go together. If you look at Dallas Willard's book, Knowing Christ Today, mm-hmm. that sounds like it would probably be an ap- apologetics book, and it is, mm-hmm. but it's also about knowing Christ in the Philippians 3.10 sense, to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. So, in that book, knowledge is all one piece again. Mm -hmm. Knowing Christ, knowing facts about Christ, but knowing Christ and experiencing Christ. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Is there something scary for us? I mean, in study, I can kind of, I know, kind of know the parameters. I can kind of control it. I, I mean, I know how to, but, but to kind of sit in it, to kind of listen, to, I mean, that's kind of scary, right? You just people. named it control. Is that what it is? Because in study, we control which questions we ask. We often come at it with a bias. Mm-hmm. What we've been taught by for, before by someone. Meditation, you're right. In fact, what I like to say is that in in study, we are reading, comparing facts, new ways of applying facts. We're doing that. Mm -hmm. But in meditation, we're reading to let God speak to us. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm no longer in charge, and God might surprise us. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. that scares some leaders because they think, well, who knows what God's going to say. But usually... You know, you do this in community a lot of times, mm-hmm. and you run things past other people. So there's still community, but God really does want to speak to people. Yeah. So, an illustration of how this would work. Okay. One of my favorite passages in the gospel is the story of the man who is called Legion. And of course, he's the man who has all of those demons within him, and he's out there. 
and they've locked him up and, and he's broken the chains and, and he's screaming and running around without clothes on, it says. And, <laughs> and um, Jesus goes out of his way. They cross the sea and go over and they land and he gets out of the boat and starts talking to Legion. Mm-hmm. And they have this intriguing conversation. And, and by the end of the whole thing, it says that Legion is at his feet, clothed and in his right mind. And of course, at his feet, now see, this is good study. If you study the New Testament, you know that at his feet means that he's a disciple. Mm. Okay. So, and in fact, if you do your study, you know from context that two chapters later, when Jesus comes to that area again, all these people come up to him and they already know who he is. Well, okay, we know who did that. The good disciple okay. apparently preached about Jesus. But he's there. He's gone out of his way to do this, to, to be with someone with this superhuman strength, someone that everyone else has shunned. Mm-hmm. Someone who you know is is at that point what we might call a raving maniac, and he he knows exactly what to say to Legion, and that had such I, I've meditated on that passage many many times hmm. because I work with the homeless, and I'm a volunteer at a drop-in center for the homeless, but I remember one time. When I was meditating on it, and it really hit me hard how much Jesus went out of his way to do this. This was not in Galilee. Hmm. This wasn't even in Jewish territory. Mm -hmm. He spent the whole day, he had three short years for the plan of redemption, and he goes traipsing off for this field trip. (laughs) And, and, uh, you know, this is not good time management. Um, And it really hit me hard. It hit me really hard because at the end of the passage, it says, and then he got back in the boat. So, it never says that the disciples ever got out of the boat. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's possible the disciples stayed in there all day. Okay. Because they were afraid to get out of the boat. Now, maybe they did. I don't know. But just reading that line, I remember I just, I I was sitting on the floor and I remember rolling over face down and saying, God, I want to be the kind of woman who will get out of the boat. Hmm. I don't want to be lagging behind, and I can't quite explain this, except that this stuff's contagious, but after that, I before well, before that, if I saw one of our clients around town, I mean, okay, when I was there in a volunteer, I was very good, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was all heart. I did everything. I was so helpful, but if I saw one around town, honest, I hid. Mm-hmm. You know, I was off duty, mm-hmm. and after that, after that experience with that passage of scripture, I began talking to clients wherever I saw them, you know, mm. and if they were in front of the grocery store, I said, come on in, let's, you know, I'll, when I get my stuff out, tell me what you need and I'll get that too. And so I was willing to spend the time. I was willing to have my schedule messed up sort of. Mm. I was willing to deal with messiness. Mm-hmm. in the middle of a day where before that it was just all about getting your errands done. This is stepping out of the boat. Yes, yeah. exactly. And then that beautiful word that I learned from you to be interruptible. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It just, it had a profound effect on me. And I have had that experience in meditating on scripture 
over and over and over. Mm-hmm. It seems like each time it's just a little nudge from God. Come on, girl. <laughs> do this. And I'm like, okay, okay, mm. okay. Mm, but good. see how it's caught as much as taught. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the study, we're working with scripture, the study gives us, I mean, so many helpful things, and we can yes. make connections and understand the cultural context and language. And then meditating opens it up. Who knows where that's going to go, right? Yes. And then often out of that flows application, obedience, yeah. organic. You, you can no longer be the same in, in, in a sense, right? Wow. Because this yeah. word has now come, and there's, there's your friend at the grocery store. Jan, are you going to step out of the boat, right? Yeah. In fact, it's better not to pause. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> okay. Here's my next question. One of the definitions I used, I, I believe it was last week, is thinking of meditation as the listening side of prayer. Ooh. Does that work for you? Yeah. It, you know, in, the, in Lexio Divina, the sacred reading, the phases are to read. And, and you read very slowly. So there's your listening. Mm-hmm. You reflect, there's more listening, but then you respond. Mm-hmm. And so when I do it, I write my prayer. Otherwise, you know what? My head just goes visiting. Mm-hmm. I'm praying mm-hmm. one minute and writing a grocery list the next. <laughs> and so that is sort of talking, but then the fourth step to rest or contemplate is more kind of listening and soaking. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's, three, three parts yeah. listening, one part responding. Yeah. And probably even when I'm writing, I'm still listening. I'm writing my prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's true. Obviously, meditating on scripture, such a helpful practice. Are there other things in terms of Christian meditation? Well, there's this guy, Richard Foster. <laughs> he's a he's crazy guy. We don't, we don't talk he? about him. Yes. Okay. Well, somewhere I read in a book called Celebration of Discipline about meditating on the works of God. And he talks about meditating on nature, which I think is very interesting. And, and because I like to hike and you're a climber, mm-hmm. you're like a woo climber. I'm, re- uh, I'm retired. I live in Florida. I don't. Well, but now you're now you're a sunset watcher. Sun well, rock. I'm on the other side, the other coast. Right. We don't. Right. I'm a I'm an ocean watcher. You're still a nature guy. I'm very much so. Very right. Much. Yes. And being able to meditate on how all of that works. I mean, a hummingbird is really quite something. They call it a bird, but I'm not sure. <laughs> and so I think there's that. And I think it's about coming at things meditatively, too. Mm. Because a lot of times I ask God a question. This is more like from my book, When the Soul Descends. But mm-hmm. I was very troubled about something the other day. And I just asked God, what do I need to know? And it was very funny. During my body pump workout class, it all became clear. <laughs> okay. you know, I'm like lifting this barbell over my head going, oh. 
I get it. <laughs> it was something I really needed. But it's like God sort of taps you on the shoulder. If you, if you ask enough questions, and I guess your question is, what else can you meditate on? Well, life situations. Mm-hmm. And ask God, what do I need to know? Mm-hmm. And I find that God just gives me the best ideas. And I knew... I knew then exactly what I needed to do. Or I had a pretty good idea of my next few steps in that situation. And I go, okay, okay, this is mm-hmm. what it means to have a right heart. This is what it means to love. I get it. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, is, it, is it as simple as a moment of pause? Kind of a, 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 a tuning, a listening, like here's this situation or here's this thing I'm learning about or working with, and then just giving space to listen for reply? You know, that word pause and that idea pause, I think is at the heart, well, it's at the heart of all the disciplines of abstinence, for sure. Mm. Mm -hmm. It is at the heart of so many things. To be Mm. able to pause and ask God. It's It's an act of trust. Mm-hmm. idea that God might have some input. Yeah. Now, of course, for some, the whole idea of God interacting with us, speaking to us, it just freaks them out, and they're scared of, you know, the, they're going to kind of go off the deep end or awareness of how abused that can be. Um, what do we do with that? Well, there's there's things to think about on both sides. One is that you don't want to deny that that's the experience of people in scripture. Hearing from God. Right. And, you know, so what happened? Did God go to sleep or decide humans aren't worth, you know, so there's that, but, but then their point is very interesting. Um, that because we've all heard people predict the end of the world, predict, you know, all of these crazy things. And then you've got some overly pious person who says to you, God told me. And then what they say is so appalling. You're thinking, oh, my gosh. So well, and it's the end of all arguments, right? <laughs> How can I? God told you. What am I supposed to say? You know, oh, I mean, we use that. You know, people are like, I'm supposed to take this job. God told me. What do I, no, no, you missed it. You're <laughs> Really? Yes, God told me to write this book. Okay, yes, I've heard that a million times. Um, and and I don't know what to think about that, you know? But that's why we live in community. And I've often had to call someone wiser than me and say, okay, this is what I think God is leading me to do. What do you think? And, and I've gotten answers like, well, it sounds like a really good idea, but... And I had one wise person actually say to me, I think that's not God's stuff, probably, Jan. I think it's probably Jan's stuff. <laughs> you know, and he was so nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was easy to hear that. Yeah. And, and, and to sit with it a little, right? And right. it's okay to get second opinions, to talk to a couple different people and to kind of listen and, and sit with it. And, you know, the first, the first part that – when we're learning to hear God, the second guideline 
this is all in When the Soul Listens. The second guideline is that you know the kinds of things God is likely to say based on what God said in Scripture. But the first thing is you got to know who are the crazy people that live in your head. Ah, we, the committee. Step, we call this the committee <laughs> that lives in your head. And, and I, you know, I have these committee members. One is just always trying to do everything right, no matter what. Well, oh my gosh, <laughs> I have to get rid of her. And then, then her opposite is sitting around going, oh, just kick back. Who cares? Mm-hmm. So I have to get rid of that one. And then I have to get rid of the rescuer. You know, everything that happens in this earth is designed for you to go and take care of it. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I just complainer who just complains about everybody yeah well so a certain level of self-awareness right that's well said thank you Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay i'm i'm a fan of the wesleyan quadrilateral did i say that right yes (laughs) right isn't that a helpful so it is experience scripture reason tradition it's kind of yes. four templates we can run these things through. And, you know, tradition is often some, well, in some circles, it doesn't sound like a, a good thing, but tradition is just the church, mm-hmm. the community of believers who are older and wiser. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's worth listening to. Yep. Yep, it is. Jan, this is so good. Thank you. You are welcome. It's always a joy to be with you. I wish you could see her eyes light up when she talks about a passage of scripture she's really spent time with. These are the people I like to hear from, people who've really lived it. I mean, of course, Jan teaches at a number of universities and written a lot of books, but it's in her. It's shaped who she is. Let's now turn the conversation to another person who spent a lot of time with this practice and offers a bit of a different angle. We're back with Quaker pastor and psychology professor Steve Falver. I asked Steve about why meditation is a challenge for some and what are some different ways that he engages with the practice. Steve, you've you've worked with these practices enough to know that when you say the word meditation, that like 50% of American Christians just check out. Right. What, what's what's that all about? Yeah, I think there's a number of resistance points uh, to the idea of meditation. One is it feels really unattainable, and it feels really mysterious, and it's something that only monks or um, people that are kind of off in their own little world can do. Um, it feels unattainable for folks. Mm-hmm. And I think also it's been connected wrongly. I would say it's been connected with Um, some approaches to spirituality that are um, maybe unhealthy of just this idea of kind of um, emptying ourselves and, um, and um, trying to make God do certain things on my behalf. And it's Mm -hmm. been associated with some of that kind of um, unhealthy approaches to spirituality for some folks. Mm -hmm. I think for many, it's just simply uh, a very mysterious, unattainable Mm -hmm. idea or concept For me, it's just a very simple practice of just trying to uh, simply be attentive to God Mm -hmm. and um, create space to listen. And also try and just simply let the voices and the 
um, busyness and the kind of hurriedness of my life and my mind and my spirit settle for a moment Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. create this place and space in my mind and my heart where I can, where I can listen and be attentive. Mm -hmm. I think it's actually a lot of what the Psalms are about. The Psalms are these written prayers that we have of folks. I think that we're trying to meditate, Mm -hmm. that we're meditating on God's beauty and creation God's activity in their lives, God's activity in their communities, and they stopped and were attentive. And then many of them wrote these prayers that came out of these moments Mm -hmm. of meditation, these moments of being attentive to God. Mm -hmm. Some of the different prayers or insights or awarenesses that God brings to our attention, it almost to me feels like that until I slow down a little, take a deep breath, intentionally Mm -hmm. go, all right, here I am. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm always present. You know, you're always present, but yes. right now I'm, I want to tend to that and, yes. be, and be present to you as best I can. That it's almost as if until I do that, am I in a place where I can receive some of the wonderful mm-hmm. things, like you mentioned, the Psalms that can come out of this open mm-hmm. posture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you used the word intentional. Mm. And I think that is a big part of what, for me, what meditation is. It's intentionally stopping, being still, and being attentive to God who is present with me all the time Mm -hmm. and is active and is communicating and speaking and working. And Mm -hmm. so it is that word of just taking a moment of intentionality to say, God, I know you're there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know you're active. I know you're present. And I want to hear and I want to listen and I want to sense and I want to know and I want to experience your presence. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to, like you said, be intentional and just stop. And it's not me trying to make God move or make God work or make God be active. It's simply paying attention, noticing, becoming aware, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. opening myself to God's activity and God's presence. Mm -hmm. And that that is a different posture than sometimes my normal day is of just kind of going, going, going. It is that. I will sometimes simply, and this is, again, is this silence? Is this solitude? Is this meditation? I'm (laughs) not sure, but I will sometimes just leave the radio off in the truck when I'm driving. Take that as a moment to say to the Lord or say to God or say to Christ, um, be open to the Spirit. These few moments, I'm just going to stop and be still. Hmm. Stop and be still. And that's a simple act, but it's an intentional act, I think, is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, meditation is just an intentional act. Um, or starting my day or ending my day with just a moment to say, God, I want to meditate on you and your presence and be attentive to your presence right now. Mm-hmm. Giving attention to God is part mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. It's like if I give attention to my kids. Sure. I don't know if I would say I'm meditating on my kids, but maybe that's the same idea. I'm mm-hmm. giving them my attention. Mm-hmm. I'm turning my face. My I'm fo- licking my eyes. Mm-hmm. My, my, my focus. My, my, my focus. Yeah. Yep. And I think that's what meditation is for me. It's giving attention to God, mm-hmm. being attentive to God right now mm-hmm. for a moment mm-hmm. or for a day or for a week, if you're depending on. But mm-hmm. for most of us, it's just a moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's a moment where my focus is not on everything I need to do. It's not on conversations and yes. whatever yes. madness we get lost yes. in. 
And it's just it's just nurturing that relationship, right? We say yeah. God is a relational God and present with us. And it's not, I want to, okay, God, what should I do tomorrow? Or what should I, how should I act? Or how should I behave? Mm-hmm. It's just, mm-hmm. I want to nurture the relationship that I have with you. And I think that's a part of meditation for me. Yeah, It's just being attentive to not, you know, it's, it's kind of like going on a date <laughs> with my wife. Right. I go on a date with my wife, not so that I can figure out everything or plan everything or, but it's simply so we can be together, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. share a meal together and have mm-hmm. some time to nurture the relationship. And I kind of think for me, that's what meditation is. It's nurturing that relationship. Mm-hmm. And sometimes mm-hmm. stuff comes up. Mm-hmm. You know, Steve, I think it'd be good for you to follow up on this or do this or confess this or mm-hmm. be attentive to this. And sometimes stuff doesn't come up. And it's just simply being together and enjoying one another. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. But not having to manufacture. No. Right? See, this is where the discipline no. submission ties right in here, right? I'm not yes. having to make something happen or make God do something. Or right. How right. I feel in the space is not necessarily. Right. And I think this is a resistance point for some is um, I'm not feeling God right now. Mm-hmm. I don't feel God's presence. And so. I don't want to do meditation. I don't want to stop and be still and silent because where is God? Mm-hmm. That God, where are you? You've rejected me. I'm not feeling it. I'm feeling distant from you. And so I think that in that kind of a place for me, I just simply need to say, God, I know you're there. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, and this is a little this is a little different for me, but I remember when I was at the Abbey, uh, I spent some time in a Trappist Abbey, and I asked one of the brothers because I'm not Catholic. I asked one of the brothers, why do you why do you Use the sign of the cross. Mm-hmm. And he said, it just reminds me when I go from the top of my head to my heart that God is here. It reminds me that God is here and that I am here when I go left to right. Mm. So God is here and I am here. Mm. And there are times when I think that's all meditation is. All. That's minimizing it. That's what meditation mm. is. God is, is here. It's time and I am to say here. God is here and I am here. Uh. And it doesn't have to be some miraculous (laughs) wisdom kind of infused time, but just simply as I do the sign of the cross, which Catholics do, and I really appreciate God is here and I am here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think for folks that are really struggling with where is God, just take five minutes and just say, God is here and I am here. Mm -hmm. You're going to show up. I'm going to be here. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that helps me, begin understanding the discipline of meditation is to think about the different things I meditate on. It's very natural for us to meditate on destructive things. Mm -hmm. I meditate on fear, right? Mm -hmm. I'm present Mm -hmm. to the fear. I run through scenarios, situations, right? I meditate on, on worry. I meditate on anger. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and I just I cook them. I spend time with it. I'm like, you know, I have conversations yes. with it, and yeah. Um, yeah, and of course, it always leaves you feeling worse than when you began. Right, um, right, right. Yeah, what would it be like to instead to go? I'm going to just meditate on the fruit of the spirit. I'm going to just sit with a piece of the fruit of the spirit, or the whole basket: love, joy, <laughs> peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, mm-hmm. self-control. Mm-hmm. Gentleness stands out. Gentleness stands out. Hmm. I wonder where the spirit is in that. 
gentleness. Am I supposed to be? No, no, don't go there. Just sit with it, right? But at the same time, yeah, maybe there is something in gentleness that I need to be attentive to. I need to be attuned to. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, not meditating on fear, anger, anxiety, but rather meditating on love, joy, Mm -hmm. peace, Mm -hmm. patience, Mm -hmm. kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I love that. That's a great image. Well, what is my mind space on? That's part of it is just, yeah, I hear you saying, like, where is my mind being um, drawn? Mm -hmm. Where is it churning? And so trying to release those and then receive again. It's this release and receive. Receive what it is that God wants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, and certainly uh, biblical passages. Yes. Meditate on your word, right? Yes. Um, yes. Just things that are so rich that we can just mine together with God. Yeah, if in doubt, I would say start with Scripture. You know, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Sit with that verse and write it out, even if if that's helpful. Uh, Draw a picture of what that verse is. That's part of meditation. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, using Scripture, I think, is so, so instructive. And I think, again, if somebody's kind of worried about meditation, I would encourage them to to use Scripture. Start Mm -hmm. with Scripture. Take some time to just sit with the written word that we have, and Mm -hmm. that can be a really, really helpful tool for us. Yeah, and it's and it's not to be repetitive in some kind of mechanical no. way. It's just I'm I'm oh. just tuning my attention. I'm sitting with it. I'm right. Right. focusing on it, listening to it, right? listening to it. And often it will be part of what in, we end up kind of meditating. Mm. I mean, excuse me, memorizing, not meditating, memorizing. Right. Oh yeah, like a passage of scripture that I meditate. Often I end up memorizing. Right. So then it goes with me, right? You can't help it's it. With me. <laughs> yeah. You ate it. You ingested it. Yeah, you it. ate it. You ingested it. Kind of sunk <laughs> down into your mm-hmm. into your soul. So it's beautiful. Yeah. Mm. Steve, so helpful. Thank well, you. Thank bro. you. This is yeah. This has been helpful for me as well. Well, there you have it. Lots to process and work with here. I invite you to join me and a few guests next week as we close out this month's topic of meditation. We're having another roundtable conversation. And this time we're working with your questions. Feel free to send those to podcast at renovare.org. That's podcast at renovare.org. There's still a couple of weeks remaining for those of you who'd like to apply to the Chicago cohort of the Renovare Institute such a great program and a joy to watch how this experience transforms people's lives. You can find out more information about the Renabar Institute on our website. And last week, we had the first of the 40-year Celebration of Discipline events in Atlanta. Wow, what a special time. I want to thank all of you who came out. It was such a sweet, playful spirit in the room. Thank you. Up next, Houston on April 8th. And in closing, can I give a special thanks to Christy, the woman I married 23 years ago today. You know, if it were not for her, there is no way I ever would have ended up doing this work. I love you so much. Okay, off to the beach. Have a great week.